everyone to Coffee with a Shot of Cynicism. I'm Eleni. I'm Jeffrey. And today is the episode that a lot of you have been waiting for. Oh, yes. Well, this because you DM'd us to tell us that. Yes, a lot of you have been saying over the course of quarantine, I can't wait to get to the dance marathon. Well, bitch, we're here. We are here. And there's a lot to say. And this is probably the most known episode of season three. Would you agree? Of season three, yeah. Yeah, of season. I wouldn't say the whole series. Of season three, I think it's the most well known. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So we're excited. We've been talking about it too for a while. Yeah, because we even when we were doing season two, we had been waiting for the moment when Rory and Dean were no more, and that moment is here. It's here, and Jeffrey's so fucking excited. As are you. I mean, yeah, but you're like, oh my god, Giles. Okay, yes, but also, <laughs> or I'm just done with Dean and his bullshit, so. Yeah, so am I, but anyways. Um, I just wanted to give a quick, quick shout out to my brother, because earlier this week, my brother defended his doctoral thesis. Um, in quantum physics. Oh, geez. I thought it was engineering. No. Quantum physics is even harder, so hats off. I don't know the difference. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so, um, yeah. I can't think of anything more stressful than that. Especially during a pandemic on Zoom. I was about to say, because normally you would, like, be in the room and presenting in person in front of these people, which is intimidating enough. Um, but remember, they have to do it over Zoom. (laughs) Um, which, by the way, would make me panic so much more because I'd be like, oh, my God, my internet connection better not flake on me. Literally. Like, that's why I am not looking. Well, I don't really doesn't really bother me a lot that classes are going to be online for uh, me in university this fall <laughs> because I don't want to be going into a building if COVID is still out of control. Yeah. But like, I'm really hoping there aren't too many like mandatory Zoom meetings or anything because like I can't. I No, I just don't. I can't. I'm sorry. Yeah, all I need is for me to be saying or making a stupid facial expression and for me to freeze. Yeah. Knowing me, it would happen all the fucking time. But anyway. Like, like I'm generally not very self-conscious in person, but, like, when I feel people are watching me, I'm like, I can't. I feel like I'm, I'm going to get hives. Yeah. And, like, just the stress of going, because I was, so the, the thing is, we weren't sure if we were going to be able to, like, go in and watch it, because normally during a, a defense, you can... There, there can be an audience, you know? Yeah. Um, and because it's on Zoom, I guess they've had to adapt. So up until the last minute, I think it's his, the, it started at two. And at 1.45, my sister-in-law texted everybody and was like, okay, you can watch it. Here's the link and like, whatever. Yeah. So um, I was, I happened to be on my lunch break. So I was watching it. I have to say, didn't understand a fucking word he said. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Not even a little bit. <laughs> like this guy was asked. I I I I started at the beginning and then I also had a Zoom meeting with somebody and then I came back during the question period. And um, I remember this guy asking this question. I was like, "Holy Jesus!" And my brother's going, "Yes, yes, I understand exactly what you're saying, and I actually have an example." And I was like, "What? <laughs> you know what he's saying?" So. Um, yeah. Hats off to him for that. Yeah, seriously, during a pandemic. So congratulations to him and congratulations to everybody who's ever done that. You're my hero. <laughs> yeah, especially on Zoom. Yeah, no, it can be easy. Um, it's really intimidating. It's your life's work, basically. Um, yeah, I was thinking about it. My brother's been working on this for four years. I mean, I once had to present an essay that I wrote at um at a conference mm-hmm. in, in CJEP, and it was it was like supposed to be fun because it was like an honor that your essay got picked to present. Yeah. And so like we had to we had to like rewrite our essays and like condense it into a version that could be like read out loud to people because obviously <laughs> you're not going to read like a 12 page essay just verbatim. Yeah. So we had to like edit it down, and we we, we spent a long time on it, and I just I don't remember any of reading it like I remember yeah, I remember people laughing at like something funny that I might have said but I don't really like in terms of actually what I said I I think I just like word vomit said it people laughed clap clap that's all I remember like, I, I have to ask 
my brother, though, I because uh, I spoke to him, like, to say congratulations afterwards. First of all, I asked my brother, I'm like, are you happy? He's like, um, not as happy as I thought I would be. Yeah. I was like, what a weird answer. But I get it. I get it. <laughs> you put so much work into it, and then it's over so quickly, and it's like, oh, that was it? Yeah. I mean, at least you get to put PhD after your name. <laughs> Clearly, yes. And if you're really pretentious, you can make people call you Dr. Philopopoulos. Um, if he's in quantum physics, I'd be like, you're calling me doctor. I spent, what, how many years of my life doing this? Call me doctor. I made a joke on our Instagram page. I was like, we finally have a doctor in the family, but not the kind my grandma wanted. Um, I mean, it's not a joke. I mean, it is a joke. Well, it was meant to be haha, but I mean, it's really serious. My grandmother's like, I told my brother, I was, I said, where were you? Because I tried to FaceTime him twice. And he's like, oh, I went to, yeah, yeah, like my grandmother's. And I was like, oh, is she happy? You know, like, what did she say? I was I was waiting for, like, excitement. Um, yeah, she was okay. Um, she asked me if I'm going to be a teacher, and I said no. And she said, okay, here's my grocery list. <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, all right, bring grandma for the win. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I joke because my grandmother always says, like, um, like, she used to say when we were younger, you guys should really go into medicine. <laughs> she always tells me that I should have been a doctor just because I work in a hospital. Oh, God. Anyway, she's a very fickle little lady. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that was my little whatever. A little yay to my brother. Yes. Um, let's, let's, let's just dive right in. Into the dance marathon. The dance marathon. Okay. Because <laughs> so much to say. Yes. Are you ready? Are your seatbelts securely fastened? You keep saying that. Well, because they have to be, because it's a bumpy ride, okay? In we go. So the title of the episode is... They shoot Gilmores, don't they? Good job, Jeffrey. And why is that the title of the episode? Um, I don't really remember. I don't either. And I watched it two days ago. I think, like, there's a lot of episodes that have obscure titles that aren't really referenced in the actual episode. Yeah, I feel like some of them you have to be in Amy Sherman Palagino's head. That, and also, or, the, only, the only thing I could think of, like, it's a, it's a very long shot, but, like, Paris mentions um, something, like, something about the, the town, and she says, like, something about shooting. So, like, I think that's the only thing I can really think of that might tie to the title. I don't know, but whatever, that's the title. Um, so the first thing I wrote down is Lorelai is not very athletic so it kind of surprises me that she wants to participate yes and she and also she, like really loves her sleep too yeah so I mean this whole thing is kind of an anomaly I didn't know like before before this episode I never got the impression she was very competitive either so I don't know what would have made her gravitate towards this maybe because like well, Kirk has apparently won, what, four years and then five years in a row? Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe she's just, like, so so sick of him flaunting his giant-ass trophy, which he then later loses, by the way, so... Yeah, well, apparently it's a gag in the show that he always loses his trophy. Well, if you're going to be that much of a store winner... I mean, it's Kirk. What do we expect? I know. But would you ever dance for 24 hours? Because I wouldn't. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you, first of all, I wouldn't dance for 24 hours, let's be honest. What, what is the longest amount of time you've stayed up, stayed awake? Like, okay, I've like, stayed, stayed standing, like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, two minutes, no, I'm kidding. Um, I, yeah, what is the longest amount of time you've stayed awake, and why? That's a good question. Um, I think maybe the longest, I can probably say that, like, how long I've been sleep deprived and the most like the most sleep deprived I've ever felt was coming home from visiting you in New Brunswick. Yeah, that was a taxing trip. And like not because it was funny because I slept on the train home. I slept much longer than I did on the train there, but I still felt like I felt like physically ill for two days after. And my mom was like, that's, that's what it is though, because I used to make that, that journey more than you, obviously. Yeah. It's just, it's that, it's the quality of sleep that you're getting on a train and a plane. It's not the same thing. No. And obviously, it's like. Two doze. It's not. Yeah. Just, not. So, <laughs> I think, I mean, I didn't stay awake. Like, I was asleep. It just wasn't very, it wasn't a very good quality sleep. So, exactly. 
Hmm, the longest I've ever been awake would probably be like during traveling if I had to be awake early and then oh the oh actually it's a good question because um when I was in grade nine we went to Florida on March break and then I was flying back home by myself with my two younger cousins and the night before we like slept in a hotel near the airport and I didn't sleep at all because my dad was snoring and I was like and I was anxious about flying by myself, so I didn't sleep at all. <laughs> all right. I had the TV, like, it was just, like, a, like a regular hotel room. Like, I was in one bed, my parents were in the other, and, like, I had the TV on all night, because I'm like, I can't sleep, and I'm going to go crazy. So, I had the, like, I just didn't sleep at all. Hmm. All right. Um, I think for me, it was when, uh, well, definitely I used to work night shift, sometimes, like, with an hour's notice, so. Oh, God, Yeah. <laughs> Um, I've, I've definitely passed the 24 hour mark a couple of times. Um, like on on Grey's Anatomy? Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's really weird because at first you're really tired and then you get like a slight pick me up, at least for me when I was working, (laughs) like they would call me at 11 to be there at 1130. So obviously I've been awake all day. That's a lot though. Yeah, so I'd be awake. I let's say I woke up at eight that morning. Then they'd call me at eleven p.m. to be there at eleven thirty. Shift finishes at seven thirty. Um, in the morning, the next morning, and then um, I remember one time I was meeting my grandmother for a doctor's appointment in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So I literally finished my shift and met her at the clinic, and it was this very incompetent doctor who made us wait there until four p.m. So. At that point, you're like, you, you ever been so tired that you're like awake? Yes. You're and like, it's like, and then you're anxious because you're awake. Yeah, and then you're like, I'm not sleeping ever again. Yeah. <laughs> this is how I die. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've definitely pushed almost 36 hours. That's now, impressive. Now, to say if I could dance for that long or at least stand up and sway, I don't think so. Do you think that, like, a dance marathon like this is, is even realistic, though? Like, who would be able, I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure people would be able to, but, like, who would, like, who's, whose idea was that? Um, it was definitely Taylor's. I know, but, like, even, even in, like, the realm of Star's Hollow weirdness, quirkiness, cuteness, like, dance marathon, like, dance for, tw- like, what? I mean, I definitely think it's a thing. It is. I'm just like, who would want to do that? That's just not like my opinion. Is it a thing or two very different questions, Jeffrey? Okay. Like, I'm wondering why it's a thing because I don't want to do it. (laughs) Well, it's definitely a thing. There's a whole Wikipedia page uh, dedicated to it. Interesting. I'll have to read it. Yeah. Um, Anyways, so the rules of the dance marathon are um, you've got to stay moving. Yeah. And you've got to stay touching with your partner. Unless. Unless you show your yellow emergency card. In which case, one of the partners can use it and get off the dance floor. Mm -hmm. Other partner has to stay upright and moving the whole time. Yeah. And you get 10 minutes. And then there's like little breaks in between for everybody, right? Little break. And then there's the runaround. Oh, which seems actually so fucking terrible. <laughs> like, I feel like a dance marathon might be fun if you're not sleep deprived. Okay, well, that defeats the point of a fucking dance marathon, Jeffrey. I know, but I'm just like, it's so totally not a morning you, person. You would definitely, yeah, I know you're not. But you would definitely be like the Babette where she does like two spins and she's like, okay, I'm done. 100% that's me. You're like, I had fun. And Maury's like, okay. <laughs> Exactly. Like I'm here for the I'm here for the charade. I did it. Bye bye. Yeah, I participated. I had a number on my back. I dressed up in this funky costume. Now we're out. Or just like in season one when Paris's mom makes her go to that party and she's like, My watch shot, what time is it? Bye. Yes. Like I'm gonna dance till seven and then I'm out. Yes. Or in season four with Paris when she when everyone was going to the Yale versus Harvard game and she makes Roy take a picture of her for each for yes, each reaction. We won. We lost. That's also me. So okay. So Lorelai is trying to find a dance partner. Mm-hmm. Which makes me want to know who she danced with in the other years. I think it's like very ambiguous. Yeah, like Stanley well, this week this year she's going for Stanley Appleman. But that was short lived. 
And it's short-lived because his wife thinks that she looks like Elizabeth Taylor and wants to sleep with her husband. I mean, I can see the, the, the Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah, I can see that. But, like, how does a dance marathon lead to you thinking that I want to sleep with your husband? I know. That's just, like, oh, pretty woman, my husband, territorial, back off. Yeah, well, that's dumb. Anyways, there's a lot of things in this episode, actually, that are very archaic. I know. And it's only once we actually start analyzing it for the purposes of a podcast where it's like what is this mess yeah um so the uh when Lorelai and Rory are at Friday night dinner (laughs) Emily is very sassy again okay so Emily not only is she very sassy but um so Lorelai's trying to explain like why she needs a dance partner what it's for and they're like oh it's for charity so (sighs) Emily gives this like little monologue about how Charitable events are like there's nothing better than dedicating your life to charity, and I feel like it's it's Emily trying to justify what she does all day. I know, or she's like, like oh, there's Emily. nothing better. Yeah, there's dedic- nothing better than making a difference in the world. And yeah, like, like obviously we agree on that, but like let's be completely honest. This is you trying to say, see, I do stuff. I'm important. Yeah. Just, like, making other people's lives better. Or making someone else's life better. Um, I don't think that's why you do it, but... Yeah, you do it because you're a rich lady who doesn't do anything else, basically. Yeah. Emily, meaning. And that's not to say, like, doing charity work is not great. Like, we've both done charity work. But I'm just saying, it's, like, it's Emily being, like, this is what I do. And I'm, I'm, I'm bettering people's lives. Yeah, she wants a medal for it. Yeah, basically. I mean, no, Emily, no. Um, do you want to do Paris first and then do the dance marathon because it's the bulk of the episode? Okay, because I did write down my favorite quote of the episode, which doesn't come from the dance marathon. It comes from Paris. Yeah, mine too, actually. Go ahead. What's yours? He was He was supposed to go away and never come back. I already wrote his name in my revenge notebook. Yeah, there's that one, and there's their whole interaction where he's where he's telling her like you're a distraction, um, and she's like I started classes, and she's like in phone dialing. How's that going? Because <laughs> he never called her, right? Yeah. Um, so this leads me to asking you, what do you think of Jamie? As a character or as a boyfriend? Um, as a character in this episode right now, not knowing anything that happens later. Um, I like him. I think it's like, I think it's like a a true sign that, um, if, I mean, I'm not going to say Paris is totally undesirable, but like, it's a true sign of a good person. If you can see through someone else's petty drama, which Paris has has a lot of at this point and a lot of baggage. So if you can like cut through all of that and still be interested in the person. And I think that's a sign of a good, of a good boy. Of a good boy. (laughs) (laughs) Labradoodle. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I think the one time that we saw him in Washington, um, it was kind of cute. It was kind of flirty. Paris was going on her first date, so she didn't really know, like, how to act. And I was like, oh, this is cute. And am I the only one who forgot about him? I mean, I maybe, because I, I, I always knew, like, that she's, he's always in uh, Paris's back pocket in terms of, like, I have a boyfriend, but I don't tell anybody. No, but I mean, like, in terms of, we saw him in episode one, and then we, he, like, he just popped out now with no indication, because you guys saw the promo that we posted, right? Yeah. Um, Like, we weren't expecting it. So I would, I definitely think, like, back then, Eleni would have been like, what the fuck? Where'd you pop out of? Oh, this is a thing? Like, oh my God. You know, like, getting excited about it all over again? Yeah, I think that was the intention, because... Like it didn't, it didn't really show any. Like he didn't show any signs of sticking around after episode one at that point. So. Well, yeah, because you're like he goes to Princeton. He's uh, older than her. When are they gonna see each other? And then like when he just showed up in episode seven, now you're like, oh my god. I mean, he's very pretty. So like, I'll give all. <laughs> like you know, good for Paris, but at the same time, a lot of I find a lot of their pivotal moments happen off screen. Yeah, but I think I think the point of doing that is so that we don't lose the par- the intense Paris that we know and love. 
Yeah, and I think they were also saving Paris's like further character growth and development for the later season. So in season three, they wanted to keep her as the crazy, intense Paris that we know and love. Not to say that she's not crazy and t- crazy and intense later. Yeah, but... I was about to interrupt you and say like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but I mean, I think it's really interesting what they do with Paris because in season three, she's still very much intense and she's very focused on getting into university. But they kind of give her a little bit more of a story arc with the boyfriend mm-hmm. and her um, not just being this like robot that's always very academic. So yeah. they give her more of a human side, I find, if I can say that. I don't know. Does that make it sound bad? I don't know. Um, so, yeah, they give her more of a human side and they let her develop feelings um, for somebody else. Yeah. And then you see in season four, like I'm jumping ahead, obviously, but I just want to like talk about her a little bit because when you see in season four and five and even six she's much more free not only it's like weird she's free but she's also very rigid (laughs) i would i've seen them do that with a character before yeah i would say sorry go ahead i would say um i would say that they humanized her more like in season four because she's she (laughs) supposedly had this breakdown between season three and four where her nanny quit even though she makes it sound like her nanny died. But no, no, her nanny just quit. Yeah, because you're 20 years old or whatever, 19. Yeah, and it also doesn't make any sense later because remember, nanny, like, reappears in season five. You know what I always pictured? I always pictured just Paris having her number on speed dial and, like, calling her whenever she needed her. Because it's all, like, the thing is, a lot of, a lot of like, her, her backstory is off screen. Like we, we, like, we only see her mom once in season one, and it's, like, mm-hmm. not even for a full scene. Yeah. And so we get, like, the sense that Paris has, like, these super rich, neglectful parents. And her only, like, her only source of love and stability is this nanny. And then when this nanny quits, again, off screen, it's like she has this full-blown meltdown. And in order to become whole again, she has to get this Oprah-esque life coach. Taryn. Taryn. So I think... Yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but yeah. yeah. But I think in terms of humanizing Paris, it's... More and more starts in season four, where she's kind of acknowledging that she was a bit intense in the past, and she's not letting go of that intensity altogether. But she's acknowledging it, like, "Hey, I have a bit of an issue in this area, so just bear with me." Yeah. So I think the last thing I'll say about this, because we are going a little bit off topic with this, and it's my fault. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, But the last thing I say I'll say is that I liked how in the later seasons she kept that intensity and that focus that we knew and loved from her high school days. Yeah. But she also grew as a person in terms of, um, I don't know, like opening herself up to more opportunities, I guess. Yeah. I would, yeah, I would agree. So, but I, but when I say like, I, I love the fact that they kept her rigid, but also free. It's like rigid in her ways, mm-hmm. but also like much more open to things. Yeah, like she was less of a tight ass. No. Yeah, definitely. Like she was less of a tight ass in terms of, you know, how the world kind of goes goes around. But she still like like you said, she still kept that rigid backbone of like, don't fuck with me. Yeah, which we all love. So I mean it's a great thing that they kept it. Yeah. Okay. So now that we got Paris out of the way. But before we do, do you have a revenge notebook? I have a revenge notebook. <laughs> because even now I'm like on my I'm almost twenty three years old and I'm like, I think I should still have a revenge notebook because like bitches who fuck with me need to go on an inner revenge notebook, no? But here's the thing with me. <laughs> you guys think I'm joking. <laughs> but I used to have a notebook that said hell is other people. <laughs> and I would write down things of like it was kinda like a journal, like things that because I, I feel things very intensely. I don't know if you guys know. Oh, <laughs> but when that, I get angry, was, I get... Sorry? That wasn't clear. No, not at all. But, um, no, I I don't know. I'm not ashamed to say that I have a little bit of a temper. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, when I get angry, I get angry. Mm-hmm. Um, so it used to be, like, if somebody pissed me off, I would, like, go off and write about it in whatever notebook I had. Yeah. Um, and then, coincidentally, I got a notebook that said, hell is other people. So I kind of consider that a revenge notebook. That's 100% a revenge notebook. Yeah, okay, I win. But also there's another thing that I do, and I'm, I don't know if I've talked about it before, but I think I've definitely told you about it, or your mom. Anyways, I've told somebody about it. <laughs> Either you, your mom, or Lori. But 
sometimes when I'm, it used to be when I was in class, but now even now um, during a work meeting or whatever, if somebody's like really droning on or saying something stupid or being catty or whatever the case may be, I write in the margins of my like work notebook or agenda or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I write whatever comes to mind. It's like, oh my God, this is the stupidest point ever. Just shut the fuck up. Nobody fucking cares. Oh my God. <laughs> like, you know? And I can go on and on and on. And it's a way for me to kind of blow off steam while I'm listening to this giant ass tirade. Oh, yes. I can personally attest I've seen these margins. Yeah. So remember, um, so like, remember at my old job, that argument that happened where the girl slammed her fists on the table? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, you should have seen the margins. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that's my coping mechanism. <laughs> It I mean, sounds sounds like a good one t- t- to me. So honestly, throughout the years, I've had to develop a lot of coping mechanisms. This one is one of them. The other one that I mentioned a couple of episodes ago, where I go into my car and I just yell into my notes app. Another <laughs> really good one. Um, like I'm just giving you alternatives to screaming into a pillow, you know? Because sometimes you might want to switch it up. Yeah. And I bring technology into it. I'm an innovator. <laughs> They're all very valid, and I would all recommend them. We really should start charging for this. <laughs> All right. Um, so the marathon. Lorelai coerces Rory into being her partner. Regrettably. Regrettably. You know what? This this episode for me is like full of uh, like contradictions. Aren't you know they all? Is, sorry? Aren't they all? Yeah, of course. I was just about to say, you know, like, we notice something sometimes, like Kirk ordering a patty melt and a Coke at 6 a.m., you know, like, shit like that? Yeah. Or, like, it's supposed to be after school, but Rory's, like, dressed normally, you know? Like, shit like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I find this one has so much wrong with it in terms of little things that I noticed. Do tell. So, the first one I noted was when Rory is telling her mother that she doesn't want to be her dance partner because it's Dean's first marathon in the town and she wants to show him all these little stupid things that happen. And I'm like, Dean's been in town for three years. It's an annual dance marathon. How is it his first dance marathon? That's a very good point. I know it is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Another one is like, it's never light in this episode. Yeah, because it's supposed to be 24 hours, but it's always night. It's always night It's always middle of the night. Also a good point. And then the last one that I have, there's a bunch of other little things, but the last big one, big, small, I don't know, was when Dave sees Lane at the end and gets a sandwich from from her and Mrs. Kim. Yeah. Like, right before then, it's like 23 hours have, like, gone by and you have an hour left. Mm -hmm. And then Dave is there for a sandwich and he's saying that his parents are in private Bible study, but it's 5 a.m. So true. You, you, you don't even notice these things until you actually start. I know, but this is one of those things like, yeah, you don't notice, number one, until you start doing a podcast about it and you have to analyze. But also, I think it's like a testament to how many times I've watched it, too. Yeah. But now I was like, I was even contemplating not watching this episode in preparation for the podcast because I was like, I've watched this so many times. I know it like the back of my hand, but I'm going to watch it anyways. And I already knew all these things. Yeah. Anyway, so those are the three big ones that I noticed. Did you notice any others? Not in terms of the dance marathon, but it is but it's good, a good thing you brought up the um, Dave telling that to Miss Kim and Lane because... I, like, could we could we say at least in that case that he was exaggerating and lying that his parents were Bible study and it was like no one would notice kind of thing because he was just like talking out of his ass? I mean, yeah, but I feel like that's just one of those things that, of course, he lied to Mrs. Kim. Like, his parents are obviously not in Bible study. But, I mean, I think that's also just a snafu on the writer's part. Yeah, like, there's so like, now that you said it, there's so many discrepancies in this yeah. episode. So, of course, he's lying. It was so obvious. Oh, okay, so if my parents are not back in 20 minutes, then we're going to miss you. Like, you know, like, he's just making shit up. Yeah, I know. But at the same time, I think that they just fucked up also with the timeline of the episode. Yeah, no, they did, 100%. And, they, like, you're like you're not supposed to pay attention to that. They want you to pay not, attention. But the thing is, we do. I know. And 
a lot of it I'm, I'm sure has to do with filming, right? Like you have to film it. You have to start filming it at night because it's also like the fall, but then it's better to get it over with in one shoot. Like, I don't know what the fuck it was. I mean, <laughs> wasn't stars. Lost. Yeah. Wasn't stars hollow. Like stars hollow was like on an indoor lot. Wasn't it? half and half if I'm not mistaken okay I think because like you could if it was in like it was completely indoors you could it could be night or day any time of the actual yeah, yeah, day. Sure. no but I think it's both if I'm not mistaken I will have to look it up yeah I think it is outside too because I remember um seeing some like pictures of like the Hollywood Hills in the background right and it's like Connecticut <laughs> yeah no, you're right. Yeah. Anyways, whatever. So that was just something that, like, bugged me, kind of. But that's, that's, see, honestly, it hurts. Because that's, like, the magic that goes away after we watched it so many times. And, like, not to, like, not to, you know, rain on anybody's parade. But even now, like, people don't make television so that people can stop and rewatch and pause and analyze every single inch. Like, obviously, they know now that people can do that. But, like, in 2002 and even in like you know 10 years before that and 10 years before that like that was not ever a thought that people were going to pause or be able to pause or get the dvds or watch it on netflix so i don't think people gave it that much thought until fairly recently yeah so yeah. no i get it but um you fucked up no and the purpose of this podcast is to point out those fuck ups so do better exactly well, they can't. It's over. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about Suki and Jackson. Yeah, is this 1956? <laughs> okay. So, I love how Suki just says Jackson wants four and four, as if we're all supposed to know what the fuck four and four means. I know. So, for those of you who don't know, four and four refers to the fact that Jackson wants Suki to have, and it is Suki that is having these kids, don't forget. Mm-hmm. Four kids in four years. Like, he wants her to bang him out back-to-back, to back-to-back. Back. Yeah, sure, no problem. Sounds good. So let me just say something. <laughs> um, my brother and I have 14 months difference. Mm-hmm. So that's not a lot of time in between, right? No. My mom and her sister have 11 months difference. Oh, God. Yeah. Also not a lot of time in between. For you to have four kids in four years... That's a lot of... Yeah, I was trying to do math the other day. (laughs) And I'm like, let's say you have sex at the recommended six weeks after you give birth and you get pregnant the first... Like, I was trying to do all these calculations. I was like, you're not... It's not... It's a lot of babies. It's a lot of diapers. A lot of screaming. And like, who, who does he expect to stay home with these kids? Like I said, is it 1956? Like, I mean, it's one thing to have a conversation with your wife and say, listen, I've always wanted a really big family and I'd love to have four kids. But tell me what you think, dear. And like, I get the sense that they had some kind of conversation like that. But then Suki's like, oh, sure. okay, like have a backbone. Yeah. But listen, I think there's a giant difference between telling your wife you want four kids in four years and saying, I want a big family. I would like to have four kids. Yeah. Because no, you to say to your wife, I want four kids in four years, me, like, says to me, you haven't thought this through. No. <laughs> at all. Like, do you know how babies are made, cared for, pushed? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. no thought went into this. No, because, like, men are stupid. Oh, boy. Can we say? Like, not all men. No, but, like... I'm not going to say he doesn't give it that much thought, but he's given it as much thought as it, as it pertains to him. I think it's really easy for men to, like, when they're talking about kids, I think it's easy for them to say shit like this. Like, I would love four kids, and I'd love them all ideally within, like, a year of each other. Yeah, like, okay, because you have to do all the work. Yeah, but also, like, it's very simple for them to say that because they're not the ones whose bodies have to go through all these changes, and they're not the ones who have to, like, labor for hours on end, Um, you know, and 
in terms of like fertility, it also doesn't always happen like that, right? No. So I feel like, I don't know. Again, we don't know exactly what transpired between Suki and Jackson behind the doors. I'm I'm just like pulling out all the shit that I'd be thinking about. Yeah, because four kids in four years is like, hypothetically, the, the, the goal, but it doesn't always happen like that. So but whose goal is that? Men. Oh. <sighs> I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it either. Like that's, that would never be me, but like here's the thing. I was asking my mom, I don't know why, but I was like, how was it for you having a 14-month-old and a one-month-old or whatever it is, a 15-month-old and a one-month-old? She was like, honestly, it was tough, but I knew I didn't want to wait too long because my mom wanted to go back to work. And she didn't want to, like, take maternity leave, come back, and then go back on maternity leave kind of thing. Yeah. And so, there, but that to me is just more things to think about, right? Like, did he, in my head, he's like, I just want four and four. And he's not thinking about, like, Suki has a job, and she wants to open an inn, and she has a life. Yeah, no, of course. he Like, to me, that 100% means he didn't think of any of that. Yeah, he's just like, pop out them kids, girl. <laughs> Which is like, you know, we could we could dissect that all day. Yeah, but I mean, we've talked about Suki and Jackson's relationship before. Yeah, they're a pain in the ass. What? They're a pain in the ass. Yeah, they're a pain in the ass, but also communication, not their strong suit. Nope. And hasn't been from the beginning. Mm -mm. Like, we talked about it in season two when Jackson proposes. Like, the whole fight that led up to that proposal. Yeah. Zero communication. Now Suki is, like, dragging people into this because she's like, oh, tell me what I want and what do I say to him and no, no, no. You should be able to tell your husband that you don't want four kids in four years. Or, like, you do want kids, but that's a lot. And maybe we could, like, you know, discuss this further. Yeah. I mean, what like, oh, okay. <laughs> no, no. She, like, she says she wants kids, but just, like, okay, I agree. You can, like, both agree you want kids. Just, like, let's kind of nail down the specifics a little better. Yeah, but, yes, let's nail down the specifics a little better. But it also comes back to, do you even know your wife at all? Because when Suki's talking to Lorelai, she says, you know I want kids. One, maybe two, if the first one's really quiet. Yeah. So, like, have you guys discussed any of this? No. So that's what I'm getting at. Your communication is so bad. And, it like... We, we can kind of see that everywhere. Can we even in episode one when she's trying to like butch up their house and like it's oh masculine. Like you should know that your husband doesn't like any of this stuff. Yeah, or you should listen to him when he says, I like the house as it is. Yeah. So that's why like to me, again, on the surface when you're just watching the show, you're like, oh, they're such a sweet couple. They He's a produce guy. She's a chef. But then, like, when we analyze it further, what a terrible couple. I know. They're literally the worst. And you don't ever want to say anything because, like, everybody loves them. But it's like, no, they're literally the worst. <laughs> I feel like we're going to get so much flack for this. But they're terrible. They really are. Like, and every, like it, it's more and more clear to me with, with every rewatch. Like, they're, they're, they suck. The only time, like, even, they were even really bad at communication, like, in season one. Because it was like, do you want to go on a date sometime? And then nothing. Like. Oh, yeah. Do you want to have dinner with me? Oh, yeah, sure. And then she's like, oh, the ball is in his court. I already asked. And then and then he brings Rune, like. Oh, God, yeah. That in itself just says, just tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, I feel like their their relationship is very surface level. Which is sad, because you shouldn't marry someone if you have a, sur- a surface-level relationship. Again, at the same time, then I think to myself, maybe I'm thinking about this way too much. We are, but at the same time, if you just, like, think about it even just a little bit more, it's so clear. So I wouldn't yeah, even, like... It's a, car. it's a house of cards. I get it. I don't know. I just... It was so upsetting to me. Like, every time the 4 and 4 topic comes up, I'm always upset anyways, because I think of all these things. Yeah. But then, like, the more I watch it, and the more I realize all the implications behind it... It just means that you don't talk to each other. Oh, Lord. Anyways. So, um, do you think that Lorelai did anything bad? In terms of? In terms of uh, her conversation with Suki. 
Because Jackson is super pissed at her. I know. And I think, no, I don't think Lorelai did anything. And I think they were, both of them were looking for a scapegoat for their argument. Because yes. they suck at communication and they want to, like, drag somebody else into this. So they both want to, like, I'm not saying Suki's mad at Lorelai, but, like, Suki used talking to Lorelai as an excuse for, oh, well, Lorelai said, well, no, no, Suki, tell him what you think. That's like, don't exactly, hide behind Lorelai. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I feel like... Um, so listen, in general, Lorelai has a tendency to stick her nose in other people's business. But this was not one of those times. No, this was not one of those times. But I feel like they use that like they, they use that as precedence, kind of. Yeah. Jackson probably heard Suki go, well, I was talking to Lorelai. Oh, Lorelai, let's go get mad at Lorelai. Literally, literally, because they because they don't want to be mad at each other because they don't know how to. Because they're just avoiding talking to each other. Yeah. And I think Suki says it best, and she's like, you know, we're newlyweds. We still brush our teeth and get back into... I was like, yo, that's got to wear off sooner or later, because you guys have to talk to each other. But I'm sorry. You do that when you're newlyweds? Like, first date, maybe. But, okay, you're married now. People have bad breath in the morning. Yeah, ain't nobody got time to get out of bed, brush their teeth, and get back into bed. No. I start work at 8.30. This morning, I woke up at 8.10. (laughs) Okay. I'm not doing that shit. Nope. I don't know. It's it's too cutesy, but also very service level cutesy. So. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, what do you want to talk about, Kirk? You want to talk about Jess? You want to talk about Dean? What do you want to talk about? There's so much left to discuss. I know we're not even like halfway done. Um, I mean, there's like a lot left to discuss, but at the same time, I feel like both of us know this episode so well that it's like. We could just go, yep, yep, yep. Okay, we're done. Um, well, but I that makes for a really shitty podcast. It does. Yeah. And people are already leaving. No, I'm kidding. Um, I would say that I think I'm not going to blame it all on Rory because I feel like everyone has a tendency to do that at different times in the show. Do what? Like blame Rory for everything. Oh, okay. I was like, what are we blaming Rory for now? <laughs> no, but like. I got it. I got it. It's weird how, okay, obviously, like, Lorelai couldn't control her shoe breaking, but, like, Lorelai dragged Rory into this, and I'm not going to say that, like, she didn't want, but, like, Rory didn't know what she wanted either, because she's like, oh, well, I'll do it, but, like, like you said, Dean didn't, like, Dean had never been to a dance marathon before, somehow, and so Dean was going to come and watch, but. But, hold on, because I feel like you're getting way off topic. Because long pause, long pause. Sorry, <laughs> because it's yeah, I understand Lorelai like kind of dragged her into it, but mm-hmm. this whole like, do I don't I like Dean has been going on since episode one, even longer. If you want to talk about season yeah, two, yeah, I want to get technical for sure, but let's just say it's been going on since episode one, since she came back in the summer, yeah, like. It's not, the fact that it came to blows in this way, yes, unfortunate, but it was going to happen sooner or later, because what do you expect? You're ignoring him, you don't like him, you don't talk to him, you're watching somebody else, you kiss somebody else. Yeah. Like, what else is there? Because it's just, it's just weird to me that Rory denies her feelings so much. Up until, yeah, it's crazy to me. That, like, he's breaking up with her and telling her all these things. And she's like, what? Me? What? Like, she's so surprised. She's like, I didn't do anything. Like, I'm Who just perfect. For... <laughs> like, I didn't do anything. I'm just I perfect for Rory. Yeah. I wanted to smack her. And then on the bridge, she's like, no, he was right. I was like, hallelujah. <laughs> Shangela is weeping. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, like, I, I really wanted to smack her in that moment. Because, okay. listen, as much as I fucking hate Dean, and you know how much I fucking hate Dean, that was not, like, that wasn't out of the blue. No. That had been building for a while. Okay, so can And for we... you to string him along, and then pretend like you're innocent, fuck you a little bit. Yes, uh, well, yes, for sure. But can we also agree that, yes, this had been bubbling beneath the surface for a very long time. It was clear to us, the audience, that Rory, you know, was 
um, leaning more towards Jess, and it was even clear to Lorelai that she was leaning more towards Jess. Like we could all see that. So obviously, everything that Dean says when he broke when he was you know causing a scene, like cl- clearly all of that is true. But could we also agree that the way he like verbally attacked her in front of everybody was also a bit harsh? Oh my god, I- definitely. Though no, <laughs> listen, I think what I said got maybe lost because I am not at all justifying the yelling in front of everybody. Okay. We've, we've definitely said it before that he's very aggressive sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like I'm thinking of the time where she wrote him the letter with her cast. You know what I mean? Like this was not at all a justified reaction. No. But everything he was saying was true. And I, I definitely understand his anger. Should he have maybe like taken her to a corner and been like, we're done. And not said it in front of the whole town? Yes. But is yeah. anyone shocked? No. Well, Rory is, apparently. But, like, I don't know. I'm trying to, like, separate my bias, obviously, towards hating Dean and, like, not liking Dean. And also just kind of, like, I don't like how, like, from this point onward, the whole narrative shifts into, oh, Rory hurt Dean like yes she let him on but like the the whole town and the and everybody just perpetuated this whole narrative that like Rory and Dean are like forever sweethearts and now that one like Rory hurt him so it's like Dean gets it like mope around all butthurt for the rest of the season it's like okay like build a bridge and get over it yeah no I don't listen I don't particularly like the shit that comes after this that Dean is so, like, mopey and everyone's like, oh, poor Dean. And it's like, oh, Dean was clearly the better boyfriend. He was so, sh- like, no. Don't even look under that rock because we're not there yet. But okay, but I feel like people only say that because they think of Jess as this terrible person. I know. And Dean has never done anything bad in their eyes. So they're like, oh, well, he's clearly the better choice. When in reality, it's like, you guys don't know that Dean is super manipulative and not at all supportive of her dreams. And generally has terrible hair, and you know. Yeah. Okay. I would. Yes. Agreed. And I think just because, like, I feel like we get like people, or even like just the narrative in the show, like it, it gives, it like puts too much blame on, like, it just it makes it so dramatic. It makes it like there's so much blame on Rory for leading him on. It's like, yes, she did that. Yes, clearly she was deluding herself. But at the same time, like, okay, is it really that serious? Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. Um, like, I just feel like everybody's like, oh, poor Dean. Even, like, not just, not just, like, in the fandom or, like, I'm just saying, like, the narrative in the show, the rhetoric is just kind of like, oh, Rory hurt Dean, poor Dean, wow. Like, no. You know what? I was, I was thinking the other day, I'm like, do you think it's that much of a surprise? Like... I, but like exactly like I'm sorry could you not could you not have like detected earlier that your girlfriend was kind of not into you anymore like but that's it that's what I'm saying like you've known like you knew I can't even speak <laughs> you knew she liked Jess she has feelings for Jess because didn't you go crying to her mother about she likes Jess doesn't she literally so like, why hello? did you let go then why did you drag it on too like you, like you, you want to point fingers, make sure your hands are clean, cause his are not. Oh, softly. <laughs> well, they're not. Like you said it. Like at the end of season two, he's like, she likes Jess. Like you knew that. So what? Did you just like push it down? Did you both? Like you were both deluding yourselves. Like yeah. So here's the thing. I think they're both to blame because I think she strung him along because she was too scared to realize that she actually liked Jess and she was really comfortable in her first relationship, especially since everyone was telling her Dean was a great guy. And then I think. On his end, he was, like, he was too scared to let her go. Yeah. He was too scared to admit that he wasn't the right one for her. That for he's, sure. That he's, he's like, well, I'm going to hold on to her and hope that this shit goes away. And hope that if I keep squeezing, like, she's going to, like, stay with me forever. Yeah. I don't know. It was just, it was, it's a mess. But, like, in what universe would you sit and watch people dance for 24 hours? Well, ask your boyfriend. Well, interesting you said that because do you think Jess like saw the dance marathon as a final way to break Rory and Dean? 
No, listen, I think by his reaction when Dean was breaking up with her, he had no idea it was going to happen. I think it was just another way to piss them both off. Yeah. Um, and then I think when Dean was breaking up with Rory, he was like, oh, my God, is this actually happening? What the fuck? What? What? Yeah. So, um, no, I just think for him it was another way to say, like, let's fuck with everybody. Yeah. And we'll fuck with Taylor because he loves fucking with Taylor. <laughs> um. Yeah, can I can I say something? Rory was being a little bit of a Karen in this episode. She's she's very much a Karen. You for like we we know this. Yeah, but like in this episode in particular, like you know when she sees Jess and Shane getting sandwiches. Yeah. And she's like, the food is for the dancers. You're not dancing. <laughs> this is a town event. You have to participate. Yeah. Like yo, if Jess was black, she would have called the cops. <laughs> Okay, I mean, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's true, but... I mean, she's okay. a for the rules, apparently. <laughs> well, because she's like, ew, I don't like him. Like, playing off this, like, schoolyard eight-year-old drama. Yeah, but can we talk about how juvenile that was? Where, like, Jess puts his arm around Shane, so Rory puts her arm around Dean. I know. Oh, my God. Like, can we acknowledge that season three has so much teen drama? Yeah, well, it's, I think that's what it is. It's the height of the teen drama. Yes. Like, whereas other shows jump right in with the teen drama, it took a while for Gilmore Girls to get there. Yeah. And now that it's there, I'm like, oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> like, Dean, like, love me. And then Dean's like, just get your shit and let's go. He knew even then that it wasn't, like, it's not, this is not it. <laughs> no. Ugh. But this actually, interesting that I said before, my favorite quote in this episode was from Paris. Actually, I think my favorite quote in this episode Oh, I know, is, I know, I know. Who are you, Bobby Brady? Get a life. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> but we said that in our first ever episode. Yes, we did. Get a life. I'm surprised Shane knows who Bobby Brady is. I mean, yeah, that was, that was just like... Uh, that, was, that was like a pop culture reference on Amy Sherman Palladino's part. Yeah, um, so can we talk about Lorelai losing the dance marathon again? Um, yeah, let's talk, first, can we talk about fucking Kirk? Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say that Kirk, like, like, I feel like Kirk needs the win more than Lorelai does. Yeah, so Rory was saying it, like, Kirk has very little in his life. His mother won't even let him have a key to the house, apparently. <laughs> you know, poor Kirk. Just fucking let Kirk win the goddamn motherfucking trophy. <laughs> Especially since he goes through the effort of getting a very rigorous dance partner. Yeah. And, like, learning actual fucking moves to flip her and shit. Mm Mm-hmm. Let him have it, (laughs) Lorelai. But it is is weird, though, because, like you said, Lorelai has never, ever been that competitive. So it's weird that all of a sudden she's just so determined to defeat him. Yeah, I think maybe, more than anything, I think maybe she's just annoyed by the aftermath because in the next episode we see that Kirk is like always flaunting his shit and like whatever whatever so maybe it's that part of it yeah he's a very sore winner so I think that might be part of it so maybe the first time she's like all right Kirk won the second time she's like yo fuck off and then the third time she's like I'm gonna beat him now yeah (laughs) I would want to kick him He's really insufferable in this episode. Yeah, well. Where did he find his dance partners, I want to know? Where does Kirk find... Where does Kirk get anything? How does Kirk have so many jobs? How is Kirk alive? Okay, Paul. That's a little rude. (laughs) Kirk is an anomaly. Kirk is an enigma. Yeah, well, that we knew. (laughs) Um, Okay. Uh, Luke and Lorelai banter in this episode... Yes. So, no, I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. <laughs> okay. Please, continue. So, when they're having the whole four and four argument and Luke gets involved, um, Luke is like, one kid in four years is crazy. Mm-hmm. Which, don't necessarily disagree. Um, so, you know when Lorelai's shoe breaks and she goes to Luke to fix it? Yeah. Luke, Luke is... Luke is telling her, you know, I, I feel like I have to clarify what I said before. Um, you know, I like kids. If the, if the right person were to come along, blah, blah, blah. So 
I feel like this is a really weird conversation to have. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it was Luke realizing that maybe he came off as too much of like a grump who doesn't want a relationship and is very much a hermit. Mm-hmm. And in his in his unconscious mind thinking, maybe I just blew my chance with her because she's very clearly a family person. Yeah. So I feel like it was it was like his his subconscious telling him like you gotta fix this before she thinks you're not it. Yeah, like we like there's just so many certain moments where Luke and Lorelai are just like there's a there's there's that spark that we all can see. And this is one time where Luke was like, Oh shit, did I like say something wrong? Yeah, that's it. I felt like he was right away saying, Oh fuck, I fucked this up. <laughs> I gotta fix this. So he's like, you know, if I ever met the right person, um, I wouldn't mind having a kid or two. And she's like, Yeah, you know, I never thought about it, but maybe me too if I find the right person. And then they're just like staring into each other's eyes. It's like get a room. Yeah, number one. Number two, you're like, fuck you, ASP, for making us wait even longer. <laughs> ASP. ASP. It's funny. <laughs> I take up so much time when I just say Amy Sherman Powell, you know? It is. It's a, it's a mouthful. Let's just say ASP from now on. Yeah. See? Um, yeah, so that was like a weird, awkward thing where you're like, you're remind as much as your focus is on Rory and Jess in this episode, mm-hmm. they sprinkled in a little Lorelai Luke to keep us going. And they always do. Like, like just when you never expect it, they're like, Luke and Lorelai. And that's Yeah, because so... we expected in this episode. Yeah. We had our hands full with Rory and Jess. So I was, I was very surprised when that was put into the mix. But it was a sweet moment, I have to say. Yeah, because I think we, I think I, I've said this before in season two. Like, they like, they like to contrast, um... Lorelai's relationships with Rory's relationships. So even though like Luke and Lorelai are still light years away from actually having a relationship, mm-hmm. it's like they still they still wanna they still wanna tease us and poke us like that. Absolutely. Yeah, but it was a sweet moment. Where it do you was. think Luke was when Dean was uh, breaking up with Rory? I feel like. I feel like that happened at a moment where nobody... Like, I think it's a bit much to call it a scene. Because I don't feel like anybody was really paying attention. Yeah. So I think... I no, mean, at the same time, people were staring. Wasn't Luke fixing Lorelai's shoe? Yeah, but they were fixing it in the gym. Right. This is what you never understand. They're both in the gym while he's fixing her shoe. And yet miss the breakup. Also a good point. I never thought of that. And then it always bugged me at the end where she, like, goes to the lake or the river, whatever the fuck that body of water is, and is sitting on the bridge that they're raising money for a tarp for. (laughs) Then Laura is, like, coming back onto the dance floor, and then Rory comes in. Does she come back from the bridge? Does she go to the bridge? Like, I don't know what's happening. This episode is a mess. I think we can just say that. So many discrepancies. It's just, like, stylistically, I think it's a mess, too. Like, what is the theme of this dance marathon? <laughs> like. The theme is tarps on tarps on tarps. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm getting, like, what, 1945 post-war vibes? Like, That's what is it? this? Yeah, I never understood that either. Why are we dancing in, like, post-World War II era clothing? I know. Why is Andrew just as a, like, serviceman? <laughs> Why is he have a top hat on? So many security at Stars Hollow. <laughs> so many unanswered questions. I feel like I don't know what to do anymore. <laughs> like the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, what's happening? Exactly. It's like the more the more you dissect, the more you look at it. It's like there's so much wrong with this. I have to look away, or else I'm not going to hate it ever again. <laughs> I know. Let's just not like. Let's just pretend this never happened. Yeah. So you all wanted us to to dissect the dance marathon episode. Now we hate it. Look what you've done. It's all your fault. You did. Look what you did to us. <laughs> so fucking rude. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I feel like if I think about this too much, I'm just gonna get so scared. <laughs> Anything else you want to say for this episode? Um, the scene at the end. Should we talk about it? Where they're hugging. No. Which scene? Oh. Where Jesse's are at the bridge tarp bridge place. Yes, please. Um, 
the bridge tarp place. <laughs> <laughs> you know why it pisses me off? Because I don't know where the fuck in town this place is. No, because, okay, you want to, listen, at one point, Stars Hollow High is right across the street from Luke's. <laughs> And then in another, and then in season two, like during Jess's first episode, that bridge place is right by the school. Yeah. Don't so, even get started on season three when Jess's fucking car gets stolen and Luke watches him go to school from the window, but the school was never there in the first place. True. He drives to, he drives to school. Yeah. Okay. You what? know what? Stars Hollow makes no sense. Gilmore Girls makes no sense. We've lost all hope. Look what My you've done. <laughs> um, I do have to say though, I do like the fact that Jess was courteous enough to break up with Shane before he started anything with Rory. True. Because um, he was only with he was only with Shane despite her, right? Yeah, of course, and to have fun in Stars Hollow. Because what the fuck else is there to do in Stars Hollow? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. I feel like that was a moment where you kind of realize that Jess really is a good guy. Yes, and can we also talk about that I'm pretty sure nobody else was going to say to Rory that Dean was a jerk. Because the way that Dean went about that, like we said, he was a jerk. So, yeah. Someone well, need to say it. Well, yeah. Well, you know, Jess already thinks he's a jerk for other reasons. Yes. But I mean, it's, it's a very rare moment where we have a sincere moment between Jess and Rory. Mm-hmm. Where he's... Uh, a little bit more vulnerable. Yeah. And we've said it before. The only time he can really be vulnerable is with Rory. Yeah, it's true. Um, but this makes it a little bit more delicate in the whole scheme of things because they're not together yet and they're kind of exploring what they want to be. And he, the fact that he wants to do things right, like start their relationship off right, mm-hmm. not doing anything until he's broken up with the girl that he's currently seeing, to me, is a, it's like a, I don't know how to call it. It's, it. it's a good, it's a good start to their relationship, let's just say. Yeah, and there's like rare moments where Jess was a good boyfriend. So why don't you all just stop bashing him, okay? Oh he's very God, pretty. Bashing. He's very, he's very pretty. Just shut up and then enjoy the view, okay? Oh my God. <laughs> and we've come to the point of the episode where we've completely lost Jeffrey. Yes, you have. Because you, you want to talk about him being nice, so now you've lost me. I'm sorry. I'm just, like, star, like starry eyes now. Anything else, Jeffrey? I think that's it. I think we've exhausted ourselves with the fact that Stars Hollow makes no sense. Yeah, no, I can't. The thing is, I'm pretty sure, like, I can go on forever. We can. But the problem now is that I feel like if I think about it too much, I'll never be able to watch a show again. <laughs> exactly like that's why i don't bring them up i like there's so many little things that i don't bring up because if we if we like discuss them too much then we're finished no i have to force myself to ignore these things from going forward now yeah block block out mini eleni in my head and honestly i I have a similar experience watching friends because i've seen friends so many times backwards and forwards and it's like only now and i'm like as i watch it just like for the sake of watching something it's like um they're like nothing, like so many little things. The same, yeah, the same way as Stars Hollow, they don't, they don't add up. It's like, wait, th- what time of day is this? Why yeah. are you not at work? One day we're gonna have a conversation about the episode with the quiz. Yes. And why that episode drives me fucking bonkers. Okay, you know what? We're gonna put a pin in that, and that can be our, that can be our introduction to next week's episode. Okay, because. I'm just going to preface it by saying it drives me so fucking crazy that I actually went on a YouTube video to comment on it. <laughs> the only YouTube comment I've ever left in my life. Was on a friend's video. Wow. Yeah, because that's how much it fucking bothered me. Okay, well, if you didn't think that Eleni had a temper before, there's your example. Well, yeah, exactly. I proved and myself gonna... today. <laughs> and we're definitely going to get into that next week. Yes. Um, where can they find us, Jeffrey? Um, on Instagram, they can follow us at Gilmore Girls Podcast. And on Twitter, they can follow us at Gilmore Podcast. And if you feel the need to email us, you can email us at gilmorepodcast at gmail.com. Beautifully said. 
Yes, and also a shout out to Karen, who was one of the people who messaged who messaged us a thousand times, telling us how much she was excited for the dance marathon episode. So I hope you enjoy, if you're listening. Guys, she literally just sent us a message five minutes ago. Really? Saying well, a couple more hours. <laughs> well, then I hope you enjoy our discombobulated rants about. Oh my God, this kind of now I'm kind of feeling the pressure. <laughs> what if Karen is let down? Honestly, I hope you know what? At this point, I'm just like so strung out about Stars Hollow. Just I hope you just, just just listen and And we're like, find... trust Karen. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just listen and I hope you find something worth you know remembering listening yeah. to. And if you if you guys notice anything else in this episode that we may have missed with the discrepancies, as much as I think it's gonna drive me crazy, I'd actually like to know. Because I thought I exhausted them, but if I missed one, please tell me. I mean, I think we're going to be triggered now if anyone else points anything yeah, else. Yeah, but now at this point, if I don't know, it's going to drive me more crazy. Okay, well, direct all those comments to Eleni so she can drive herself nuts. Please, please. In the middle please. of the night. Please. <laughs> all right, guys, we'll see you soon. Yes, thank you for listening. Bye.